Welcome to Building a Greener Idaho. Your source for insightful conversations with diverse voices at the intersection of people, profit, and planet. This is Building a Greener Idaho. Today we are going to talk about the 2017 Boise School District Bond and the progress and sustainability. My name is Jennifer Ellis and I'm a parent of two boys who attend Longfellow Elementary School in the Boise School District. I participated in the Yes for Boise Schools campaign last year and was very pleased at the Boise community voter turnout and approval rate of the bond. It has been one year since the election, and I thought it would be great to share an update in the bond progress. I also thought it would be great to start a dialogue about the future of the Boise School District operations as it pertains to investing in sustainable, high-performing, and healthy spaces for our children's learning environments. So a little introduction today about who's going to be here on the show. I had the pleasure of speaking with Sue Lovelace previously. She's a campaign manager, co-chair for the Yes for Boise Schools campaign. We've got Ryan Hill here, communications specialist for the Boise School District. We have Kobe Dennis, deputy superintendent of the Boise School District. Chris Taylor, a science, social studies, and computer science supervisor, sustainability committee chair. Last, we have a wonderful participant here today. Gracie Ward is a Boise High School senior. She is all about sustainability and more. We'll have a chance to talk to each one of these people was truly impressed with the amount of work that goes into preparing for a school bond proposal. The investment of time, energy, and research that goes into the discovery of what needs to be addressed and also recommended. The process is really daunting. It's amazing. I'm going to point to Kobe and Ryan. Well, first of all, thanks for including us um, today. Uh, This is something that we are very, very passionate about when it comes to our schools and our kids um, across the the district. So uh, this was quite an experience. Um, This was really my first time uh, going through uh, these kinds of situations and it really started probably in March of 2016 maybe yeah I'm trying to get my dates right here March of 2016 um, when when we had when we started having conversations around um, our facilities and what some of our needs were were going to be Um, then we decided we were going to hire a consultant uh, a consulting company called the Zhang Richter, and they're a national uh, company that uh, we have used in the past when we ran our 96 bond. Uh, they helped us with it as well. They kind of come in and really take a real comprehensive look at all of our different facilities. Spent uh, a good six months, Ryan, mm-hmm. six to seven months, just walking through every one of our buildings, talking about how we use our buildings, what kind of spaces we need, and really started helping us develop a set of standards that I think are really, really important for for this discussion. Um, we we t- took a look at each one of our classroom uses and set standards for what those look like, and that's different than what we've done in the past. And then how close are our current buildings to that set of standards? That's really one of the measurements that was really important to us as a district is, okay, if this is the standard for a science classroom, and this is what we need to teach science in, in today's world, how close are our classrooms to that today? 
that was really the big piece to what they provided to us. So they walked every one of our buildings. Um, they, they called that the educationally edu- Educational Adequacy Index, the EAI. And if you get on our website, um, all that information is still out there so you can see how each one of our buildings compare to that set of standards that we have out there. Um, that was one piece. They also looked at uh, our capacity. They gave us some um, enrollment predictions. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on, but they really dug into um, our buildings and what we needed. And it really gave us an opportunity to prioritize where our weaknesses were and set the standards for what we were going to run on our bond. And I think one of the things <clears throat> that came out of that as well is, is, and this was part of the formula that DeYoung Richter uses, is we had what was called a futures conference, which we invited in members of the community from all walks of life, people who currently have children in the school, people who do not have children in the school, people who um, viewed this through the opportunity in terms of, let's say, you know, different teaching tiles, whether it was our different teaching styles, whether it was the more, um, I can't think of the, the correct term for it, but how do you create classrooms and how do you create schools and how do you create campuses that really are going to be not just adequate, uh, but forward thinking into how we're going to be delivering education, not just tomorrow, but for the next 10 or 15 years. Um, so the Futures Conference was one part of our of our community outreach well before we really mm-hmm. got a lot of the data back because that was one of the filters through which we could then run the data. Mm-hmm. Another component to that was obviously we formed a steering committee that involved um, people like Sue Lovelace, who you had mentioned earlier, um, that met on a regular basis throughout the entire, mm-hmm. um, not just the facilities audit, but well into when after we had launched the bond campaign so that we always had you know, kind of people who were invested in the success of Boise schools, but who offered a different uh, voice or a different lens than necessarily those of us who do this every day would. Mm-hmm. I, I think the one thing I would add to that is, is, and just to kind of dovetail on what Ryan was talking about, um, it was really important for us to um, to get a broad range of viewpoints on this, uh, whether it was, as you have talked about a little bit, sustainability, people who have that as being one of their primary focuses, preservationists, everything from a third grade, what the third grade mother feels like all the way to the father of a senior in high school and those that have left uh, the district and had kids already come through. It was important for us to keep a broad range of those perspectives as we started down this project. Sustainability, while the bond allows us to highlight and particularly the work that, that Chris Taylor's committee is doing and the work that we've got with students like Gracie, um, there's a tremendous amount of focus, and obviously with the with the investment the community's decided. I spoke earlier with Sue Lovelace from Yes for Boise Schools about the nuts and bolts of a school bond. So my name's Sue Lovelace. I have been a volunteer for three different funding initiatives in the Boise School District um, in 2006, and then again in 2012, and then most recently in 2017. The reason I've gotten involved with these is in the very first one, three of my kids were in they were students in the district. One was in high school, one in junior high, and one in elementary school. And like many people in this community, I just started going to those open meetings. You know, we're talking about a funding initiative, talking about a bond, and I just wanted to know more and pretty quickly realized that 
um, this mattered a lot to me and that I wanted to get involved in, in knowing more. Yeah, I, I was really naive when we moved back to Boise. I just, um, you know, signed my kids in at the nearby school and just didn't understand really where school buildings came from. Um, but as you probably know, most listeners probably know, um, the state of Idaho doesn't pay for school buildings. So if you want a new school in your community, um, the, the voters in that community pay for that and they have to be um, p- behind it themselves. They have to decide that that's a good idea. So um, my role in that, uh, starting in 2006, was to was I was invited into the Boise School District, and by, I, by that I mean physically invited into the building, into some meetings, to talk about the audit um, that had gone on prior to 2006, and then the audit that happened 10 years later, 2016, um, by DeJong and Richter, who are a national um, school facility auditing company. They spend months going to every single school and every single building in Boise, um, and then they present a, you know, a, a report that's as big as an old phone book um, with what needs to happen in each building. And it may be as little as replace the HVAC to demo and rebuild, you know, or even put the building, um, you know, in the case of East Junior High in 2006, it was located at the corner of Warm Springs and Broadway, not an appropriate place for a school across from the hospital, busiest intersection in town, that got moved, you know, immediately east. Um, to Harris Ranch a few miles away. That, those kinds of decisions and, or those recommendations are part of their report. So then my role is to um, kind of figure out from what is presented by the auditor and, and, the, with, and the district lets us know, well, we can't do everything that the auditors recommend. We don't have that kind of taxing ability and authority and people, taxpayers can't possibly fund that. But to prioritize what's in that report, and come up with a, a bond amount, and then we meet with the trustees and, and various members of the district and try to understand how do we communicate out to the community members and families why we should do this and why they should get behind it. It takes probably a year and a half um, from the point that someone like me would get involved to the election day. We're going to take a short break and talk more about the Boise School District and sustainability. Welcome back to Building a Greener Idaho. Today we're talking with the Boise School District about the bond and sustainability. Some of our participants here today are Kobe Dennis, Ryan Hill, and Chris Taylor. We've had sustainability written into board policy for almost 20 years in the Boise School District. We have Whitney Elementary, which was built in the, during the 90, shortly after the 96 bond, is a, I believe it has both solar and geo. Yep. Mm-hmm. thermal mm-hmm. Um, involved in that and I mean you could go back to what would not be a great example of the 70s with Amity Elementary mm-hmm. which was considered environmentally 
innovative at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, those environmentalists, I tell you. Yeah. yeah, hard to believe that, you know, as an engineer and an environmentalist, <laughs> that you would maybe be suspicious of putting a school underground. Um, but, you know, it, this is something I think, and, and part of that is a reflection, and I think that's one of the things that I'm most proud about in my association with the Boise Schools is is the... How attuned um, we try to be to what the what our community values are. That it's not that, that obviously our primary mission is the educational values that we offer and, and the delivery of education. But that it's also that our schools are a reflection of our community um, to a certain level, and that requires a lot of competing interests. And if you've seen in the in the research and probably the work through your through your involvement, Jen, on the Sustainability Committee, is that there's a lot of balancing that goes on mm-hmm. between those different interests. Mm-hmm. I think one of the very first lessons that Kobe taught me when I came in was, um, the only thing we know about enrollment projections <laughs> is that they'll be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you have the date. Yeah. You have that date. Yeah. There's that first day of school. It's funny you say that That's because it. the second part of that conversation that Ryan forgets to tell is, is that <laughs> the other piece that we know about school is when the first day is. Yeah. So it, so all of our projections will be wrong. It's but hard, we will know who date. shows up when on that first day of school. So <laughs> right. we know that much. We know that much. But it is a challenge, Jen. It's it a, is. It's a real challenge to to try and to get your arms around it because nobody is required by state law to tell us what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So situations for families change over right. the course of the summer and you may very well think that that family's coming back something happens and they're gone right. at the same time somebody else moves in and so there's always this give and take and it's never we're losing one kindergartner and gaining another kindergartner we may lose a kindergartner but gain five fifth graders exactly and so it really becomes a challenge to, to make sure that we can do that but i will say this we've gotten pretty good at it We've gotten pretty good at it. Well, you know, Sue was telling me about kindergarten registration is a huge uh, data source yeah. for you for the next uh, 12 years. Yeah. It's very telling. Yeah. We, we spend a lot of time looking at birth rates and properties, uh, sales, and all of the, th- all the data that we can get our hands on we use to try and predict uh, kindergarten enrollment. And, uh, and it does become a baseline for us in our planning for the future because if you have several kindergarten classes that are small come through, mm-hmm. which is something we're experiencing right now, yeah. um, it, it has an impact on the overall enrollment for Longfellow in, That's right. in the case that you're ex- talking about. Right. So all of those things, it, all of a sudden then you have to plan for, okay, we're, we may need a few less teachers, we may need uh, whatever those issues are that go along with that enrollment. Um, well, and I think that this is where, you know, I'll, I'd like to pivot to, to what Chris and the sustainability team are doing as well as what Gracie is seeing in her high school. Because to that point, I think that from an educational process, it's important that we find ways not just to continue to educate parents on what we're doing from a sustainability level, but how are we making sure that 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 we're matching that up with what we're trying to deliver from an educational experience. Um, and that's where I think the sustainability's work has been impressive because it, that has also occurred at all levels of our schools as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ryan. It was huge voter turnout. Big, big one. It was a uh, 26%. The approval rate was not shabby. It was 86% is yep. what I remember. Yep. Yeah. We want you to try and talk about 
what was on the bond, mm-hmm. what was voted on, and then the result of that. We had, tw- I think it was 22 capital projects that we had uh, put together, um, and, and I won't necessarily go through and list all 22 of those, but... Um, and we, Kobe, really quick, it was... Uh-huh. There are 48 schools in the Boise School District? 48 schools in the Boise School District. So 22 capital projects, meaning big builds, um, not just maintenance. And then every single building within the district was going to get touched with some sort of maintenance work that needed to be done, from painting to new flooring to a new roof or parking lot. At some level, every single school was going to get touched. When you have that kind of magnitude Uh, that was voted on by the public and promises that we made to the public to get that done, you really have to spend some time planning on how you're going to do that from can you, uh, are there enough construction companies in town to be able to handle that kind of magnitude of work and how do you get that done in a 10-year period? So there was a lot of planning that was done. And Jen, I know that you had mentioned to me earlier that you were impressed about the fact that we had hit the ground running. Absolutely. March 17th, or I think it was 16th or 17th, Mm -hmm. the day that passed, the very next day, we had our first meeting of, okay, here are the plans for the first five projects. We're going out to bid, and we're going to hit the ground running this June when school gets out. And you did. It was, and we did. If, if, from my impression, mm-hmm. it was the next day it, after it, the it, election. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> um, it, it, I had this conversation with some of our staff up at the district office. I, I told them to just get their calendars out, and this was in March. I said, get your calendars out and tell me what you were doing a year ago today. Um, and it's shocking when you think about how far we've come in literally, in this case, 13 months. Um, We are on schedule to have a new professional technical program or building built that will house HVAC, plumbing, electrical, all of the miscellaneous uh, professional technical programs that we've had scattered throughout this district will all be able to come back to one spot now and have a space. Um, That building will open. We're going to have our opening administrators meeting there in July, so that's scheduled to go and be open this, this fall. Amity Elementary School, which we talked about earlier, 19, 1970s building that had earth over the top of it that yes. leaked like none other. That's buckets galore. Buckets galore. <laughs> um, we're going to have that up and running, and if you haven't been out to see it, it is going to be one beautiful building out there. That'll open this fall. Um, Timberline, uh, speaking of uh, enrollment growth, we, had, we knew we were going to see a significant growth in the Timberline area, the east part of Boise is really uh, blowing up as far as uh, enrollment goes. Um, so we're able to put on a complete wing onto that building. Uh, that'll open this fall. So those three projects are ready to roll. We're going to be set up for those going uh, perfectly. We're rebuilding Whittier. Uh, that has is going great as well. If you haven't been over to that site, the fact that we can hold school and build that building on the same time is a really a, a miracle and a testament to that staff over there that they're able to do that um, that well. So that'll open in um, hopefully over Christmas break. That's the plan we have right now that we'll be able to move those kids over for second semester. And then last but not least, something close to Grace, Gracie's heart, I'm sure, yes. although she's a senior, we're going to have a new gym. 
uh, uh, completely remodeled and refurbished with a new music wing that'll open uh, probably around the same time as Whittier. While these projects are finishing up, we have been spent this year planning on the next round of schools that'll come on. Um, so uh, what we will be uh, doing now is we'll be doing an addition uh, of a cafeteria and a gym at Hillside and Fairmont. Um, we are doing uh, gym additions at uh, Maple Grove and um, Taft. And uh, both of those are to uh, take care of the teaching space issues that we have when we only have uh, what we refer to as cafe-gymatoriums at some of our elementary schools. Yes. Uh, that the that one space serves as a cafeteria, gymnasium, and an auditorium all in one day. So that's right. Yep. Yeah, so this is going to be a huge impact for some of those buildings to be able to spread those kids out. And what I think sometimes people forget is it allows us to say to um, to be more efficient in some of our staffing as well when it comes to PE teachers and yeah. cooks and yeah. and those kind of things because you're not limited to just one two-hour period of time where something can happen. So. Or have to have lunch in batches. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's going to be huge. So those four will break ground this uh, June. So while we're finishing right. the other ones up, we're starting the next round, <laughs> um, and we will just keep that cycle rolling for the next right. three or four years. Well, so. and I think something that's also exciting that we're in the planning phases of is the new Highlands Elementary, mm -hmm. too, because that's going to offer us some opportunities um, from a sustainability perspective right. um, doing a large part to direct community involvement yeah I think people definitely want to hear more about that that's a an exciting opportunity it, it was it's been a really interesting process for us um, and the reason I say that is because uh, you talk about those competing interests. Mm -hmm. um, there are lots of people who are highly interested in what happens at Highland Elementary School, and we're really thankful that they are. Um, but it, it, it has, it is, we've had to, we've had to extend the process a little bit farther than what we had normally had to do in order to get that input back from the community as far as what they want to do. Um, we are going to rebuild that school. On that decision was made in March. Um, but one of the things to kind of kind of move towards that sustainability issue that came out loud and clear was we need to have some sustainable features within that building. And so um, we're going to uh, put infrastructure in for that stuff to happen. And the reason I'm not going all the way to say that we're going to have all of those things is when we went to the public with the vote, we had to provide numbers to the public of this is what it's going to cost to build these buildings. Yeah, yeah you have to stick to your and budget. We have, to, we have to stick to those <clears throat> budgets, and those are about around two hundred twenty dollars a square foot. Okay. What what we have what we've tried to do is when things go well it, within those bids and those prices, is then we start adding things in. Mm -hmm. So solar power, for example, at at Highlands is one of the things that I think we're going to at some point end up doing, whether it's at the very beginning of the build or later, we're going to end up with solar on that school. So the question becomes, how do you prepare for that? So get all that infrastructure in so that you're not breaking the bank when you can afford to put those solar panels up on the school. This June, we're probably a third of the way through the list right now. because we'll be And it's nine. one year mm -hmm. later. Yep. Okay, so yep. pat on the back. Yes. Pat on the back. <laughs> well, and to go back a little bit, I think, to the research and to give you know, Kobe and you guys took a trip yeah. to actually look at some green buildings, some green schools in Utah, was it? Yep, Utah. Oh, and yeah. I think one of the things, too, that was impressive about that was not just from a new build perspective, but I think some of the things that we can continue to explore and integrate 
if not necessarily from a large capital project, but certainly from a program process day-to-day or year-to-year going forward. And that's where I, what I find exciting about the, the, the committee's work. If you go to boiseschools.org, there is a smart menu option, and one of them is bond progress. It has a map. It has a bond at a glance, bond election results. It has uh, all the information that was collected from the facility master planning process. Do we measure sustainability? How do we talk about sustainability? Chris Taylor is the guy. About a year, a little over a year ago, uh, Kobe Dennis, um, our facilities manager, Kyle, and myself went down to Utah to look at a lead school, got to talk to some facility people there. And what that really brought together, which I give a lot of that brilliance to our deputy superintendent, is that we started a sustainability committee. We said, let's start talking about this. What can we do for our district? on the ground floor of sustainability, make some action steps. So our sustainability committee has been in inception for about a year and a half now. Um, On that committee, we have administrators, we have teachers, we have parents like you, Jen, we have city partners, um, we have food services, we have students like Gracie, we actually have students from all of our high school green teams. And we get together on uh, every other month and we just talk about what are some things, some proposals, some action steps, some recommendations we can do for sustainability. And I have to say, in a year's period of time, we have done some amazing things with our focus on saving energy, um, looking at waste, looking at water, looking at how can we get the curriculum updated so that we're teaching kids about sustainability. So one of the biggest projects we have done is we've worked with Idaho Power in this cohort, and we have five schools currently in this cohort, and we are looking at ways to save energy. We actually had engineers come to these five schools, um, give us some data back, and every month they give us what's called a heat map, which we can see how much energy we have saved. And over the first year of this, we have saved over $10,000 and able to do real simple things like scheduling changes, not putting in capital projects or money, just some things we could do. And I have to tell you, the thing that drives it are students like Gracie. And I'm going to have her talk in just a second about some of the things she's done with her green team because it's been amazing to see the students push this project. Some other things we're looking at, um, we're looking at no more styrofoam trays in our elementary schools. I mean, that was a big thing. You started, Jen, and now it is in fruition. And now we are looking at how can we get those styrofoam trays out of our junior high and high schools. We're looking at ways to conserve water. We just did a huge zero-scaping project at one of our elementary schools, Hawthorne Elementary, and that came from the Sustainability Committee. Mm -hmm. And today, for an example, we're doing so many outreach with students. Um, We're taking all fifth-grade students at Riverside down to the Boise River today, having Timberline High School students work with them, talking about sustainability, why they're doing water sampling, catching macroinvertebrates, just getting them outdoors and talking about that. So having these high school kids, and we've been doing this all year long, adding this to curriculum. But I would like to have Gracie talk a little bit from a student perspective. What are some things that she's been passionate about or done with sustainability? I started with sustainability at a very young age. My mom is a science teacher. She teaches at Boise High and she teaches environmental science. And so dinner table topics were sustainability (laughs) in my household, which was crazy and made me kind of a weird kid. Uh, But I got into eighth grade and I had this teacher who taught with the lights out in his classroom. And he's amazing. He's on our sustainability committee. His name is Tyler Bevis. But he was in charge of this ecology club. And I was all about ecology club because, God, maybe I could have some friends who are as weird as me. Uh, So I kind of had this 
project idea and he was all about just helping me like figure out how do we how do we put sustainability into the hands of the students because we have a lot of great adults doing a lot of great projects but how much of it matters if the students don't care so I there's this thing called a horse uh, it's for all the football players and all the cross-country runners during the fall they plug it into the hose and it has it's like a tube with some holes in it and it sprays water if you're an athlete you remember it I was like this is really stupid this is so much water waste so I was out there doing you know math calculations and I brought it in and I brought it to the football coaches and uh that was that was the beginning of the end <laughs> and so then I helped Mr. Bevis with our um sorting food waste in the cafeteria and when I got to Boise High School um I was again trying to find friends who were as weird and passionate about sustainability as I was and I kind of caught wind of this uh Boise High Sustainability Summit which was a full school um conference that was based on sustainability. We had student presenters, we had keynote speakers, and we read a book called Garbology as a whole school. We read this novel throughout the year, and then we were able to um, create projects and present to our peers on these projects. And that was really an empowering day for students at Boise High School because we were able to really see that we are, as as a whole, we are powerful enough to make change in our community. And that is something that I've carried with me onto the sustainability committee, which I've been on uh, for about two years now. Um, I'm going to my last meeting next week because I'm graduating, but it's, (laughs) I know I'm graduating. My generation, it's time and we're ready to like take hold of the narrative and take power and start making change. And that's one thing that the Boise School District has really been amazing in helping us do. I could not ask for a better way to wrap this discussion up. I think the only other thing I would add to this conversation is is that I think sustainability is more than just the act of doing something. It's actually a mindset that you have to develop. And I think that's what Gracie really illustrated there was is that this is about not only curricular involvement, but also being involved. I am just so excited to work in this district because I have students like Gracie. I have um, you know, district administrators that allow us to really look at some of these things that we can do best for our students and our teachers in the district. So thanks. We've got good people doing good work. So thank you. At this time, I wanted to thank everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Building a Greener Idaho. Keep the conversation going on social media and at buildingagreeneridaho.org. And join us Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Thanks for listening.